Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to the Deal Room Podcast, brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, welcome to the second half of our two-part series with Kurs Kruger of Business Companion. In part one, which was last week's episode, Kuss introduced an interesting proposition to business exit planning, where a business owner progressively steps out of the business by installing a general manager or CEO during the transition process with a five-year window. Now, today in part two, we are drilling into a number of moving factors that need to be considered when using this approach. Then we'll wrap up the series with practical tips for accountants, brokers, and M&A advisors working in this space. So stay tuned and we'll get started. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You're listening to The Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions. Get across trends in the area and hear the industry's best recount their real-life tips, traps, and experiences. Now, here's your host, Joanna Oki. As you've seen this play out in, in the past, have, have you seen examples where problems have occurred along the way? We, we've had situations where, you know, a general manager was brought on board and, you know, six months down the track did realise that, hang on, this person is not shaping up with what, you know, we originally thought it was going to be. So, yes, you then have to make those corrective actions and, you know, go back into back into the market and find the right person. It doesn't mean, and it's, it's like anything else, you know, it happens in the corporate world as well that sometimes the CEO is not the right person and the board deals with that that situation. It's a little bit painful at the time, but it doesn't mean the end of end of the road. So and, and that's exactly the same way we deal with it here. You know, I'm also interested, I, I love to hear the stories. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a very, you know, I just love the human element behind, you know, these areas that we're talking about. But, you know, do, do you have any examples in mind of, of where you think this has worked really well? I'd be re- really interested in just sort of hearing a story behind it where this has been the right decision and how this has flowed through. Yeah, I've got a client with this has actually, you know, worked very well for, for them. This guy started a business, grew it to that $12, $15 million turnover business. Mm-hmm. And what was it exactly that? Where he, he, he was the, the person, he, he actually, uh, the business is situated in Sydney, but he's always lived in Wollongong. And we've set his thing up now that, yes, he's out of the business. He's, he's involved with other things outside the business. We've had a general manager that's been there now for just over two years mm. so, and I'm still involved with him, but we meet on a, a monthly basis for a couple of hours. He comes up from Wollongong and, uh, you know, um, we've got an advisory board. It just runs for him. Now, his business, yes, he probably would have been able to sell it for a three, maybe a between a three and a four times multiple, mm. right? So the nature of the business. Him as a, a individual, look, he's young at sort of mind, and you know his body is all doing well. He's just decided, look, at that time that I don't want to be full time involved, and I mm. I want to do other things. And mm. you know, he he will this this model could run for him for the next eight to ten years. 
And the way he looked at it was to say, well, I can try and sell the thing now for a three times multiple, and mm. that's what I'm going to get. Or I can hold it for the next 10 years. I'll, I still like being involved in the industry and what they do, and I'm actually getting paid 10 times for it. So in his way, there was a, a fair bit of work to do right at the start when we started working with this owner because mm. he wanted to be controlling everything. But as we showed him that, look, you, you don't have to make every decision and control everything to still know what's happening in the place. And he started to let go. And after that, I went, okay, this this exit strategy is one that will work for you. So looking back, yeah, he's gone and said, very happy with, you know, where it is. So how long did the process take? Uh, a good four years. Because uh-huh. I come back and say that you've got to have a business which has got structures and processes in it because mm. what you can then do is get someone in that can maintain those structures and processes for you. And there's sort of two types of CEOs. Predominantly, you know, there's the hunter and the farmer. What you will do with this is have someone who's more that of the farmer yes. than the hunter. Yes. So the business will continue growing, but you're not looking for the business to suddenly go on these all new high risk type of changes because remember, it's still the owner's way of funding funding the retirement. So what you do is you turn down the risk profile of it and therefore you're looking for the type of farmer type of CEO who can maintain what's there and continue building on that. And, you know, I, I, and I presume that there's a number of moving factors in a consideration of this approach in that if the business has come through a, a recent history of an, a strong growth trajectory, then, of course, that can, you know, make it a good time to sell when it, there's been good solid growth over a period of time. Um, and when a business flatlines for a while, of course, that can impact multiples. But by the same token, presumably having a, um, you know, a CEO on board that will carry forward to the new owners, I presume must be an offsetting factor in terms of, you know, contributing well to the multiple that you should be looking at. So I guess it must be a, a matter of sitting down and balancing with a real understanding of value in the market and pricing in the market at that point, what impact this will have in the long term on, on the valuation of the business as a whole. Exactly, because yes, you might not sell off right away, but at the same time, there will be a point in the future. And I mean, a big thing that impacts value is the dependency on the owner. Often, well, this, this removes that dependency on the owner because you're actually saying, I've got something here that can run by itself. The, the, the sort of other comment uh, around that is that depending on the type of general manager you're bringing on board, you also can implement a structure which there's one that we're looking at, that which is quite current at the moment, but where the, the CEO comes on and says, look, I'm happy to buy in over the next five years, but mm. to the point where I'll basically own 100% of the business. Right, wow. So I can't buy the business right now, mm. but because of the way the business is performing and call it my share that I'll get out of the dividends, you know, my performance bonus, I will reinvest that in acquiring um, shares from the owner. 
Yeah. So it could be a delayed sale where the purchaser, yes, is paid a salary to start off with, but eventually will become the owner and buy out the owner. So you don't have to then wait for a third-party transaction further down the track. These are some really great considerations. As we led into this discussion, one of the things you mentioned was, of course, the link to all of these considerations together with the remuneration model of an advisor that's working on the business. And, you know, obviously a really relevant consideration. And I know there's many, you know, I speak to a lot of brokers and a lot of M&A advisors uh, who are active. And we talk quite often about this concept of the remuneration model, because it's it's a hard model for someone who is out there broking deals from the perspective of, you know, sometimes matters will go on for a long period of time, sometimes years. And when you're only remunerated, you know, at closing of a deal, then you have A, a lot of risk on the table, but B, you know, the remuneration model is almost butting against what you might see is the way to provide the best value to your client as well. So creating, you know, a real, you know, a real issue there between the way that true value can be provided to a client versus the way that the remuneration is being provided. But lots of the professionals I speak to sort of talk to, whilst they understand all of these issues, they talk to how difficult it can be to get clients on board and agreeing to a different remuneration model. So what's your thoughts on that and how do you get clients across the line? And, and look, as I've said, we don't follow the percentage commission model. And the way I, I explain it to clients is to say that, to me, I want to be able to carry your interests at heart. So our philosophy is owner first, business is merely an asset. If I follow the other model, it becomes business first. Yes, I'll get you some money out on the way through. All right. Mm. So. I do go, if, if a business owner cannot grasp that concept that I cannot be paid where all my alignment is, I'm just going to get rid of this thing and because the quicker I get rid of it and even if I get rid of it a little bit less than what you could get for it, you, you know, because if, if you look at small, medium-sized businesses, Sometimes spending another six months to to twelve months to to get an extra three, four, five hundred thousand dollars is sometimes not worth the effort because mm. if I've got something now that I can get rid of this thing now, or am I going to spend another twelve months for for getting something that I might get five percent for? You know, it's like I'll just get rid of it now. Yeah, and these same arguments is the arguments I have with business owners. Why? I go, that's why I don't follow that model. And I use that example of the client who could have sold mm. and once actually looked at it, it wasn't the right thing for them. But And look, if, if someone comes and goes, you know what, I just want, here's my business, just get rid of it for me. We actually say to them, thank you, but that's not our model and we unfortunately can't help you. Right. Wow. That, that's a really strong approach. <laughs> you know, but I know lots of people where that, that would be, you, you know, that would be one step too far in terms of, you know, I, I guess their business. So that's interesting. Okay, so to me, it's 
all about the person. This thing called the business is just an asset. It could be another second-hand car. It could be another house. It, that's all it is. It's, mm. it's not a first-born child. It's none <laughs> of those. It, it's merely a thing to turn something into dollars. But my focus is, yes, yes, a person with feelings, emotions, and a family around them. How do I best serve that? And if someone goes, I don't want you to be there, I don't want to deal with that site, then I go, we will not throw the values of the firm out the door just to make a buck. Mm. You then have to go, we, we are not the right, the right firm for your approach. Mm. Okay. So, and I have had that. I've had people that, you know, call and I explain how we do things and they go, no, 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 no. But aren't you business brokers? And I go, yes, we are brokers. We, we license brokers, but that's not the way we do things. And I go, mate, I can, I can give you a whole list of brokers, but that's not our model. And we would not compromise our model and the way we do things just for making the, the extra buck. It sounds to me, of course, like you have walked your talk here and you've actually done a bit of work on your own purpose, it sounds like, because you sound to me like you're very clear about what it is that your role is and, and your value proposition and what you want to be providing at the end of the day to your clients. We're very clear about why we exist as a firm, mm. right? You, you know, not what we do, but what's our purpose as, as a firm. And that's very much summarized in we want to ensure that people who own businesses can enjoy life while they own the business and post the, the ownership of the business. Mm. That's why we exist. That's why we, we help those people with that single purpose in mind. And yes, we do a whole bunch of things and services, but it's all centered around that. And coming back to the thing of someone saying, break that model, I go, I will not break that model because mm-hmm. that's the core that's the core of the, the firm. Therefore you do you do not break the core merely to to to, to get um uh, uh, invoice out the door. Yeah. And I, I have this recollection, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I have this mm. recollection that on your business card, you have something that I recall feeling like it was uh, summarizing your purpose on your business card. Is that right? Or am I remembering this entirely wrong? No, you're remembering it 100% correct. We, <laughs> at, the back of our, at the back of our business card, we, we don't have what we do but we actually have why we do things. Wow. I think that is incredible. And I think that there's something not just for me, but for all of our listeners in what you're, you're talking about today, whatever perspective they're coming from, because we've got quite a diverse audience, but whether you're an accountant or, you know, an advisor or a broker or a business owner themselves, these, these, um, underlying message about getting clear about your purpose in what you're doing is just as applicable, I think, for everyone, right? Yeah, anyway, it's know why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. You know, and, and to the business owners listening out there, it's very much if, if, if you can sort of really able to articulate why you're doing what you're doing, not what you're doing, it's got such an impact on your own staff. You know, mm. so a, a good example is, working with a security firm and I said to the owner, so tell me why why have you got this business? You know, and he he 
went down the path first of saying, well, you know, we provide security. And I said, no, 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 I know what you do. <laughs> Tell me why you do it. And he, he actually then unpacked it and said, I've always had this, you know, I wanted to become a five fireman, but I realized there's not much money in that. And, you know, um, but I've always had this thing of, I want to protect people. And everything we do is to, how do we protect people and their assets? And I go, okay, now let's let's work from that perspective. And in his instance, that of I want to protect people has now given birth to well, the app should be either this week or next week launched. And there's some of the large corporates that's already going, ah, I need that that app for for my business and my people because that's going to help um, protect them. Oh, that's amazing. You know, and what so does the app do? It's, a, it's an app that's out there. I don't know, you know the term lone workers, so people that sort of work by themselves? Yes. And if something happens to that person, there's notifications that happen so that someone can go and investigate it and go, something went wrong. The genesis of this was sort of an industrial park and they provided security for the bulk of the park, but there was one business who said, no, 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 we, we're not going to go with the the park security, we're going to have our own security guide. And yeah. he, he received a call in the morning saying, you we're so sorry to hear about your guide that passed away last night. And he went to the, oh, made all the calls and it wasn't his guide. It was actually because he has got processes in place, but it was the other guide on, on the industrial park. And oh, gosh. what they found out later was that guide had a, had a stroke but because he couldn't get to a phone or anything like that and was only discovered about six or seven hours later, it, it led to a fatality. But because this per- person has got a clear, I know my purpose is that yeah. of how do I protect people, he went, you know what, I can do something about that. Mm. So I'm now building another business which is all out of that single purpose. You know, So to come back, yeah, I, I can't stress enough about understand your purpose, stick to that purpose, Mm. and the other things will be built around it. And so how then, let's just talk really practically for some of our listeners who are brokers and accountants. Let's just start with the brokers and the M&A advisors first. So who are probably sitting here with a business model that is, that's built on transaction value commissions and being remunerated, or, you know, mostly or sometimes entirely at completion. What can we say to them? Is there anything that you, I mean, it's big to completely re-engineer your business model. And obviously there's absolutely, I think there's probably, uh, you may not agree, but I think there's probably room for both different approaches of an approach to exit and business broking because some some clients like the idea of paying on the basis of success. Look, I'm by no means with the comments that I've made saying that, look, that other model is totally wrong and we're just going to all throw it out the window. As I've said, there's certain people who just haven't done this planning. Someone's come into my office one day and, and said to me, well, you know, I'm, I, I just want to get out of my business because I'm so ill and, and that type of thing. Now, the person was 65 at that stage. Now, admittedly, they, they also didn't have much to sell, but he did, that person just had has done no planning 
known anything in his life. It's just I have to see how much I can cash in on this. Therefore, the model of, guys, we're just going to put it out there. Let's just try and turn this thing into liquid cash for you. That still has to stay. Individuals out there, exactly like you say, that just goes, yeah, you can tell me all these things that uh, I hear where you're coming from, but I believe that if I only pay you when you're successful, then you are going to be successful. I think there's, there's, there's room in the market for everyone, but saying that, it does make it a hard model to work with because, you know, if you're only going to be paid six to 12 months down the track, there's a lot of time that goes into it prior to the cash out. And, and maybe, you know, then part of the consideration for um, some of these brokers who, who are listening in is, you know, maybe having some, you know, firstly having the discussions, I guess, that help to evaluate whether or not the timing is right for a client as they're coming to them uh, for a sale. Having the network of people like you, for example, of course, who can, who can work with businesses over a period of time to get them into the right sale-ready state if that's not something that they offer as a value-add. But I guess it's really just about having the understanding and then asking the right questions along the way as part of their process. Yeah, and, and I'm sure that there'll be many business brokers if, if we could have, you know, run a poll that would have gone, I've had the right transaction, I've had a, a very willing buyer and my transaction fell over because the owner pulled the, uh, the pin right at mm. the, mm. you know, 99 mm. when we supposed to sell the, uh, sign the sales contract and went, yeah. no, 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 for this, this reason. And, you know, that's that emotional readiness. So, yeah. Um, I absolutely agree with that because I've seen I've seen that you know I've seen that happen and I've seen you know not sometimes it's not as dire as uh, completely pulling the pin but just creating not being able to get over road humps along the way uh, and you know allowing themselves to end up in a position of ending up in loggerheads with the, um, you, you know, the proposed buyer over issues that really are highly surmountable, <laughs> that yeah. they feel are insurmountable. <laughs> yeah. And then I, I guess if, we, if we're flipping now to talking to our accountants who are listening in, mm. our discussion actually reminds me of a discussion that I had with an accountant recently who talked yeah. to me about their approach with clients and, you you know, they talk about starting off the approach with clients as, you know, starting with the end in mind, as it were, you know, as we've been discussing, talking to the owners about what their retirement looks like right in the beginning when, when they're looking at, you know, getting a business client, when many accountants will sit down with a business client and say, okay, well, tell me about your business and, you know, here's our estimate and this is what we can do for you, blah, blah, blah. This particular accountant starts with the what are your plans for retirement? What do you need to live on how much is your business making you? How much is your business worth now? How much do you need it to be worth at the point of sale so that you can have this lifestyle that you envisage and doing the whole work back? And I thought, you know, that's a really fabulous perspective for yeah. and, and perhaps maybe a different perspective that advisors as a whole could really take to think about how they approach their clients. Back to that thing of who do you put in the centre? And I've got this model where I go, 
the nucleus, if you, if you can imagine a, a an, call it an atom or, or something like that, but the core of, of a business is the owner. Mm. That owner has got a risk perspective. So they either take certain risk or they risk adverse or they're willing to take stuff or they mitigate some risk, but that's their risk profile, if mm. for a better term, which surrounds the owner. And the result of the energy of the owner being the nucleus and their surrounding risk profile delivers, at the end of the day, the financial reward. Now, being an, well, an accountant myself who's many years sort of worked as an accountant, I always approached it from, oh, hang on, let me, stay, let me start at the outside, which is the financial stuff. Uh, that's the easy stuff, you know, it's, it's nice, it's printed on a, on a piece of paper, um, it's easy to deal with. And you delve in a little bit deeper, which is, let me talk about risks with this person. I would go, and, and it sounds like that's the approach your accountant has got as well, is saying, let me talk about you. Mm. We will then talk about, if that's you, what does the risk look like? Now, okay, how much will that end up in a reward? So mm. it's taking the same model, but approaching the model from a dis different perspective you know mm. you start from the inside out which is you know the core being the owner a risk profile around them and financial outcomes as a reward uh, as a result of those two start from the inside going out rather from the outside going in you know mm. so i always say to people i i sometimes have met with owners two or three times before i go can you give me a set of your financial statements? That's fascinating. <laughs> Rather than you walk in and you go, I've got this checklist. Uh, number one, can I get a copy of your financial statement? Yeah, exactly. You're exactly right, Kus. You're exactly right. So, so that, that's the difference between, let's call it, the approaches. And, and it's come back to your accountant, that, that's the approach he's following. Mm, yeah, yeah. I thought, you know, in this discussion with him, I, I, I just recall thinking at the time, gosh, that's a really interesting approach that I don't see a lot of. That piqued my interest at the time, but it seems to accord with what we we're talking about. So it seemed the right, the right time to, uh, to circle back to it and bring it up. All right. Well, look, thank you yeah. so much for your time today, because we have navigated some really interesting areas. I knew when we began that this was going to be a bumper discussion and uh, <laughs> it sure has been. It was, was great having a chat to you. Fabulous. Well, look, I guess, I, I guess there's probably a few ways our listeners can interact with you if they're interested. Firstly, you've got yep. a fabulous book, The Business Exit Companion. So I'm guessing if our listeners get in contact with you, they might be able to get a copy of that book if it's something that they're interested yep. in reading. Yep. More than happy if, you know, they can, they can contact me via our website which is just businesscompanion.com.au you know there's a contact us on there even if they would love a, a sort of a half an hour I, I'd sort of bounce some ideas past, past you um, right. we offer a sort of we call it a free consult but um, you know it's uh, you can, you can uh, connect over there and either myself or someone else in the firm would be more than happy to sort of have a conversation with you and bounce ideas around exactly like we've done today. 
Fabulous. And look, uh, I guess, you know, from our discussion, it seems quite apparent to me that you would be a useful person to talk to for our listeners who are who are business brokers and who are interested in connecting with someone who might be able to assist their clients or, or their prospects that they meet if they're not, you, you know, perhaps perfectly at the point of sale at that time. And, and indeed, perhaps also for our accountants who are listening in, who maybe have identified that their clients might need to think about sale in the future, but need, you know, someone to help them around the clarity of getting their business ready and, and working out what it looks like for them post-sale. Yeah. And look, two comments with the business brokers, even though we hold a broking license, we only do transactions where we've identified the potential buyers and we'll go tap them on the shoulder, so call it strategic uh, sales. Mm. We do sometimes have clients that, yes, we get them ready. They are now ready to, to go out into the market and there's no strategic buyer identified. We would then always refer them to a broker. That's not what we do. In relation to accountants, even though I've said, look, I'm an accountant by trade, it is something we do not do at all, right? Mm. So we, as a firm, have made the decision that we will not provide accounting services. So we always partner with accountants in the process rather than say that, um, look, we, we can both do each other's work. You know, mm. it's always the comment I make to accountants. Yeah, I can complete a tax return, but I'm, I'm actually not that good at it. I think I'm not too bad with working with owners and the emotional aspects in their life. Maybe let, let's play to our strength. <laughs> I love the honesty course. I love it. As I said before, clearly someone who gets yeah. his purpose. <laughs> okay, fabulous. Well, look, I hope this is enjoyable for our listeners as I found it personally. Thank you so much once again for joining us on the Deal Room podcast. Thank you for having me. And that concludes our two-part series with Exit Advisor Kurs Kruger of Business Companion. As a quick recap, today we drilled into a number of moving factors that need to be considered when using the approach that Kurs mapped out for us, where the business owner progressively steps away from the business with a five-year window by hiring a general manager or CEO to run the day-to-day of the business during the transition process. Then we wrapped up the series with some practical tips for our accountants, brokers and business advisors who are assisting SMEs in their business exit planning. Now, if you're interested to learn more about this unique approach to business exit, you can reach out to KUS at www.businesscompanion.com.au or check out our show notes at thedealroompodcast.com where we'll link through to his website. There, you'll also find a full transcript of this podcast episode if you'd like to read it in more detail. Look, well, that's it. I hope you enjoyed what you heard today. And if you did, please subscribe to The Deal Room or Apple Podcasts or your other favorite podcast player to get notifications straight to your phones whenever a new episode is out. And look, if you really enjoyed the episode today, maybe you'd even consider leaving us a review. We're always really grateful for reviews because they help uh, spread the message (laughs) that we're trying to spread within um, the industry in this space. Well, look, thanks again for listening in. This has been Joanna Oki and the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. (music) 
Aspect Legal has a number of great services that help businesses prepare for a sale or acquisition to help them prepare in advance and to get transaction ready. We've also got a range of services to help guide businesses through the sale and acquisitions process. We work with clients both big and small and have different types of services depending on size and complexity. We provide a free consultation to discuss your proposed sale or acquisition. So see our show notes on how to book a time to speak with us or head over to our website at aspectlegal.com. Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening to the Deal Room Podcast. To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series, check out the show notes or head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com.au.